Hey guys, what's up? BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network here. It's Robin. Oh, who's sitting in the car with me? Oh, hey, it's me. Oh, it's the voice himself, Mr. James Brown. Just walked out of O'Neill Cinemas here at Brickyard Square in Epping, New Hampshire. James got his second viewing of The Last Jedi. And James, we talked about it at Krypton. The time has come. Uh, the time has come. Uh, I will fully admit, because I am not... Uh, I'm not narcissistic enough to uh, not be one of those people who admits when I'm wrong. <laughs> that uh, a second viewing revealed significant things that I had missed the first time. Mm -hmm. I was caught up on the campiness of it. I was caught up on the cliche of it. I was caught up on the, you know, traditional Star Wars-ness of it. And I was caught up on the fact that they're trying to create some new cliches. Which I appreciate now because... I've been looking at this entirely the wrong way. I've been looking at this as a new movie, a top-of-the-line 2018 sci-fi movie, mm. which it is, but it has its roots in the 1970s sci-fi world, which is mm -hmm. full of cliches, which is full of the stuff that we know and love in sci-fi today. Yeah. But it's the original version. It's like the hipster of science fiction, and I, mm. I appreciate it a little bit more now seeing that. I also noticed several more things with the movie that I didn't see. For the first, for the first, most important glaring one in my head mm -hmm. is when the very last scene in the movie, when the child. And by the way, these are spoilers now. And uh, if you haven't seen the movie at this point, it's your own fault. For, Correct. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, you're slacking. So, Dad, <laughs> Sam, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but here you go. Family one. Um, Sam, you should have shown up tonight like you were supposed to. Oh boy. Anyway, um. Sam. When the child walks out at the last scene at the movie, and he mm -hmm. grabs that broom, and he Broomble, actually yeah. uses right, he uses the force to grab the broom. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice that the first time around, oh. and because I have a tendency of order of uh, avoiding social media when it comes to Star Wars to avoid you know biased opinions and things like that, um, I just kind of I, I I glossed over that, mm -hmm. and I didn't notice him kind of assuming that stance that you saw on some of the original. Uh, 1977 A New Hope posters yeah. where he's got the lightsaber. The same pose that Luke assumed when he's there's that, you know, classic Empire Strikes Back silhouette scene when he's first facing off against Darth Vader when he ignites his lightsaber. Right. That stance that he's in, that boy mimicked it perfectly. Mm. And that is foreshadowing. We're not, the theory right now, the going theory is that there's going to be more of a gap in between episodes 8 and 9 than there mm -hmm. were between 7 and 8. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking maybe if not Broom Boy himself, we're going to see some iteration of younger force-using beings come mm -hmm. out of the woodwork. And I think it's going to be very, very interesting because the Knights of Ren are still out there. Correct. The Disciples are still out there. Correct. The Praetorian Guard, which I did find a new issue with them that I'll get to shortly. Mm -hmm. Um the Praetorian Guard are not Force-sensitive. They're just mm -hmm. very highly trained individuals. But you do have the Dark Force users out there in, in the Knights of Ren. So there is going to have to be that balance of Light Force users as well. And what form those take is going to be interesting to see. If Rey might be the last Jedi, and we see ourselves a new race of Force users, which is kind of what I'm kind of, I'm kind of been leaning towards this right. whole time. But I think we might see a continuation of a new non-traditional Jedi Order. And I think uh -huh. that'll be pretty cool. James, one of the big things I came out of this viewing this time around, this is now my fourth viewing of this film. And much like yourself, uh, there are some things that 
are off my nitpicky list and there are a couple things that are added on very small things even smaller than the ones that I walked out with first of all and you're right there there seems to be something more with broom boy I talked to even my dad about it and he's somebody who's built into the original trilogy that's that's his go-to um, for all the Star Wars movies and even he said when I brought him the other night to go see it for the first time for himself he walked out and he said there's something about broom boy so, they wouldn't have put it in there with this being the 40th anniversary and, ha and instilling that pose in him if they didn't have a plan somewhere in there. What we know with J.J. Abrams, he's brought magic to the Star Wars universe. Maybe this was something that J.J. wanted to have in the film. They were going to cut it out with the Falcon taken off and J.J. said, you know what? I want to add this in there. You remember that little boy that was in the Canto Bite scene? Let's throw him in there. I don't know, James. I'm curious about your Praetorian Guard thing, because I like those Praetorian Guards. I like the Praetorian Guards. They're cool. They're still like the original Red Emperor's Guards, but they're they're <laughs> more so, you know? Right. The biggest issue that I have with them is, apart from those, you know, pike-wielding ones, mm -hmm. they're all using weapons, like uh, essentially a variation on the Chinese whip and chain, and, and, and two short sword-like or axe-like implements mm -hmm. that should be used in somebody with lighter armor and gotcha. I fully believe had the Praetorian Guard been dressed for the the weapons that they were using and I agree this is completely nitpicking the glaive wielding ones were cool like they had their, their heavy armor and everything and these are some great big lumbering juggernauts of, yeah. of, uh, of attackers and you've got them swinging these things around trying to do all these fancy patterns and everything and Rey who is almost completely untrained with a lightsaber and Kylo Ren who is admittedly far more trained than she is and far more powerful than she is, mow them down like it's almost nothing. Right. And she gives a pretty good account of herself. So unless she's just that talented and that powerful in the Force, which I highly doubt, right. because you, you need years and years of training to effectively use a lightsaber. We've seen that throughout the Star Wars universe numerous times over. She manages to go through them with, with ease. And I fully believe, had they been wearing lighter armor, then they would have taken her apart. And that's just me being nitpicky. We got your review the first time out about what you felt about this film. We gave it a rating. Coming out of this one, out of 10, what would you give it this time around? Now, I have to preface this by saying something. Sure. This movie in particular has caused me to shift my paradigm on the entire Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Now, I was viewing it initially as, as a saga, as a, a story told as it happened. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go to the fact that they preface every single movie with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. These are legends. These are lore. These are myths and hero stories. These are the Troy, the Ulysses, the Odyssey of that universe. Interesting. And we're viewing this from a future standpoint. Right. So like with the Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars TV show, which the theory is that it was a news broadcast, a propaganda broadcast, we're seeing these legends. And these legends become embellished with time. And what we are seeing is the climax of that. And the climax of a legend is oftentimes the most embellished, outlandish, fantastical part of that legend. Interesting. So I'm going to give this as, uh, I think, what, I, what did I give it the first time? Like a four? <laughs> yes, Something like yeah, that. you did. I'm going to move it up to a solid seven and a half. Nice. Obviously, there's still the issues that I have with the, the Snoke situation. Sure. The fact that he's just gone and uh, there's the issues that I have with uh, what almost feels like a continuity error with Leia being you know the spacewalking scene which is not a popular one 
But those aside, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a solid seven and a half. Nice. That's a pretty solid score coming from a four to a seven point five. I think we say it all the time here on the network when we've been talking about the Last Jedi. It does take a second to even a third viewing to really get an idea about what the Last Jedi is pulling for fans. Some of the lore, some of the, the discussions that are happening within the film between our characters, between Kylo Ren and Rey. You have to experience it multiple times to get a true sense of what The Last Jedi is bringing to the Star Wars universe. So we, as we always say, we highly recommend multiple viewings of this film. You can't come out of it with one viewing and have a clear, concise opinion about everything. It's tough with this film, James. And I think this viewing for you has has probably meant a lot to that. Absolutely. And, and I will also, I will hand this to Ryan Johnson, that he did one of the best pieces of cinematography I have ever mm. seen in my life. And I, I noticed it happened with you. It happened with the entire theater again. Some of these people, I could hear them talking. Um, they, they, never, they hadn't seen the movie yet. And some of them were there for their second, third, fourth time seeing it. But the scene where Holdo rams her cruiser into Snoke's cruiser at hyperspeed. As with the first time I saw the movie, I was on the edge of my seat. I stopped breathing. My heart stopped. There was, and I think it was even more so this time because I had that adrenaline build up knowing what was, was coming. Good. And the entire theater went absolutely silent again. And that is true magic right there. So, Ryan Johnson, I do applaud you for that. Yes, very nice job, Ryan. We love you here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. That is one of my favorite scenes. I still love what that brings. And I think it doesn't matter whether you're in a theater watching it or when it comes out on Blu-ray or you're watching it on digital. You're going to have those headphones plugged in and you're still going to be on the edge of your bed, of your chair, of your car. Doesn't matter. You're going to truly enjoy that scene no matter where we're going to be. It's going to be pretty iconic to this film. Just that scene alone, I feel. When that comes out on Blu-ray, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some noise complaints from uh, apartments next door because the, <laughs> I'm going to be playing that thing on a loop in my apartment for about the next... Uh, when does Solo come out? What month? That's May. May? Really? May? May. May 25th. May 25th. It should be May the 4th. But, you know, May 25th. So right between now and May 25th, I'm probably going to be looping that movie as much as I possibly can. <laughs> and then once Solo comes out, I'm just going to have to do alternating until episode 9 comes out. I mean, it's going to be a pretty Star Wars-filled year, so I yeah. apologize to anybody who's hanging out with me. You're going to get bored pretty quick. <laughs> no, it, I mean, that's how we are here at the Podcast Network. You listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Mr. James Brown, it's that time of whatever we do here on the Podcast Network. It's a little thing we like to call... Plug time. Oh, that's right. It, that's right. It is Something like Plug time. Socket time? Socket time? We're going to... Socket time. Socket to time. me. Socket Never again, please. Never mind. I'm not going to try to do that. Yeah, that's right. It's plug time here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. Mr. James Brown, where can the good people find you across social media? Uh, you can find me at VoiceOverActing1212 on Facebook and on YouTube. You can also uh, hypothetically find me on Twitter because I set one up at one point, but I have no idea what it is. So I'll get back to you on that one. Um, like, uh, like I stated previously, I'm kind of technologically challenged, so my social media presence is somewhat limited. Help. <laughs> he yelled help he yelled help somebody help him no I'm just kidding you guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets please make sure to head on over to Instagram follow me at the official vote also please make sure to head on over to www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far far away head on over to iTunes hit that subscribe button 
Also, please make sure to hit the rate and make sure that you get your opinions out on iTunes. That's right. It's what brings on the epic guests. It's what keeps these conversations going in the galaxy far, far away. Thank you guys for listening to Make the Jump Live here from O'Neill Cinemas, James Brown's second viewing. A lot more coming along the way. And as we always say here at the Podcast Network, may the force be with you. Always.